Welcome to the fourth episode of Mental Health Mondays, where we are talking to professionals in the mental health space, people who experience or live with a mental health challenge, or people who are really advocates for mental health and just showcasing their stories on Mental Health Monday and any challenges or opportunities that have come up for them or anything that really comes to their mind. So today, my guest is one of my friends that I've known since a long time, um, and I'm excited to be able to share his story. So I'm going to bring on Steve. All right. Welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for joining yeah, we've known each other since high school. That's where we met. Yeah, I was like, was it middle school or was it high school? I couldn't. I think it could it have was, been middle school. Yeah, I think it because Thunder Ridge. Thunder Ridge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So long, long, long time. Well, I mean, I'm. I know we're not that old, but we are getting older, right? <laughs> yeah, we're getting older. Yeah. I'm like the forties, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So how is everything? You, I, what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think you were a grade younger than me, though. I don't know. What year did you graduate? 99. Oh, I was a year older then. So I graduated no, well, in 98. I stayed back a year. <laughs> oh, I got you. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was 98. Yeah, I should have been 98. So we were in okay. the same grade. Yeah. All yeah. right. So, yeah. So any questions? Well, so I just want to know, how's your day going? I mean, it, how's how's today going for you? Good. I um, slept in. I, I've been working. I've been working very hard. I'm, the, I'm I'm working in a warehouse right now, and we used to have about six or seven order pullers, and they all got transferred to the distribution center. So now I'm the only one pulling orders. So I'm very busy. Wow. So. Yeah. I took I took the weekend and or on Saturdays. Saturdays usually I will get up and go get breakfast and treat myself. But today I was like, no, I'm too tired. I, I'm just gonna sleep in. Nice. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just wanna want to have our viewers know a little bit more about you, why I have you on the show. So tell me a little bit about your story and I know. I know a little bit, but I probably do not know all of it. So, okay, so um, so I, I'm dealing with schizoaffective disorder, which is um, schizophrenia with a mood disorder. But I also have, of course, anxiety, depression, um, PTSD. So I kind of have I kind of have a, a bundle of different mental illnesses that I that I struggle with, um, but. I think that I think that I'm doing okay with it right now. I think I'm in a good place. I think that um, you kind of have to go through trials and errors when it comes to medications and um, find what works for you. And I, I think I found the right cocktail that's going to work for me. And I, I think it's I think it's helping me a lot. And when did you start noticing, I mean, is there like a particular age that you feel like you really started noticing any, any of those mental health challenges? Um, well, in my teenage years, 
I don't know if you noticed this in high school, but I was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome. Mm. Did you ever notice that? I did not. No, I didn't. So I was very good at, um, like, I know when I know when something is coming up. When when I I could feel it building up, and I'll wait till someone is looking away from me, and then I'll I'll do you know my facial tics or my shoulder thing or something like that. But um, as far as like schizophrenia, I never knew that I was different than anybody else. I I never knew. I didn't I didn't see it any different. I thought I was just being myself. And what happened was I was staying with my sister and she said, and, and I guess I was acting strange and she was concerned. So she took me to the hospital and I didn't really understand why she just said I was acting strange. And um, I was sitting in my little hospital room and while she was outside of the hospital room in the hallway, she was talking to the doctor and she said that I was talking to ghosts and that I was acting strange. And I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know anything about that. It was all normal to me. And um, they had a psychiatrist or I think that's what it is, come in and talk to me and ask me a bunch of questions. And that's when it all began where they started saying, Hey, you know, maybe he has schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And so, but I've been through, I mean, this was 20 years ago and, um, I've, I've seen so many doctors throughout this time where, you know, like where we've kind of like pinned it down to see exactly what it is and try to get me on the right medications and stuff like that. So, but I always thought I was just normal. I never knew that I was acting different. Oh, wow. And what age do you remember what age that was when she first took you to the hospital? I don't. I Your don't. Doctor. Oh, yeah. So this, so this, I mean, it's been going on for quite some time. And so do you have um, both hallucination and, um, oh my gosh, my brain just stopped. Auditory. Audit yeah. So yes, auditory and yeah. hallucinations. Yeah, I, I um I mainly deal with auditory, um, but I do have some visual hallucinations. Like like I said, my sister said I was talking to ghosts, so I do see, I do see um, uh, images and stuff like that. Um, the biggest thing for me right now, even though I'm medicated, is that things will jump at me. Mm. Like I could be at work and. I work in a warehouse and it'll be a box and things will just flash at me. Like, like the box will jump up at me and I'll react to it. Stuff like that. But I know it's not real. I just, when, when it's, when it's new to you, it's, it's really hard because you freak out. But once you're, once you get used to it, it's, it's not so bad anymore. Gotcha. You just know it's all in your head. So how did this, I mean, through throughout life, as you were growing up and um, having to go through all of these different, I mean, mental health challenges, and then as you were growing, how did it really affect your life from that time um, until now? Well, so when I was a child, I was, 
I was very hyper and I was diagnosed with ADHD mm. and I was put on Ritalin. And I think that the Ritalin, I think Ritalin is a, um, I think it's basically, I think it's like, kind of like crack. And when you come down off of it, that's when you calm down. Mm. But I think it's, I think it's a drug, you know what I mean? And I think that it really, uh, opened up myself into drug use, um, self-medication, stuff like that. But, um, as I got older, I developed Tourette syndrome Mm. and, um, I was taking basically tranquilizers for that. But in my early twenties, I was, I've always been, I've always been kind of like the class clown. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I was funny. And in my early twenties, I did stand up comedy, like open mic night, stuff like that. Oh. But now that I'm on my medications, I'm very dull and um, quiet. I don't really talk that much. So I've kind of like changed throughout my life. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's just different. Yeah, I remember actually you had made a post about or you were commenting with somebody that you were talking about Ritalin and that sparked my interest because I feel like ADHD is overdiagnosed in especially youth. I mean, they're kids like all kids are hyper. Like, why are we trying to control them and stop them from being hyper? Like, that's very natural. And so, yeah, I love how you were talking about that you feel like it is it's like giving cocaine to a child, right? And then all of a sudden they drop and then they become very aggressive, which is something that you had mentioned. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is that I was I was just a happy kid. I was just happy. You know what I mean? And I was happy and I was hyper and I was loving life and I was, you know, but like my parents would give me the Ritalin and then I would calm down and I would just like, go i i used to love doing model cars Mm -hmm. which we don't really have much anymore you you rarely see kids doing model cars anymore but i would love that i would just go in and i I would be in my zone i'd concentrate i would just put the car together but um no i was just a happy kid and i just you know but i was annoying and Mm -hmm. i think all kids are annoying (laughs) to a certain extent (laughs) Yeah, but it's very natural. I mean, that's that's how kids are supposed to be is full of energy, right? We get old yeah. and we're like, I can't deal with them. Like something's wrong with them. No, I think it's yeah. like something wrong with us as a parent because we're getting older and it's harder. But yeah, definitely. I, I have noticed and experienced that ADHD is one of those diagnoses that they throw at almost every kid. And how do you, I mean, for me, I... I think a lot about like medication and prescriptions and it's like, how do you start to advocate for your child so that they're not misdiagnosed? And I don't know if you have any thoughts around that at all. Well, I mean, I thought it was interesting that I was diagnosed with ADHD and my brother, my older brother was diagnosed with ADD just because I was hyperactive. Right. But, um, I think I, I do think that I have adult ADD. Like it's um I think I think there's multiple factors that play into it. But um say if um like if I want to watch a Netflix show, 
I can't I can't finish movies or shows or anything like that. I, there's too much going on in my head. I can't I can't do it. And part of it is ADD where I'm just like distracted. Oh, shiny thing, you know. But some of it is that I'm busy. My light just went out. Oh, <laughs> that I'm busy with like the inner dialogue in my head, and uh, and I just like will zone out because I'm so busy thinking about what's going on inside my head, and then I, I I lose track of what I was watching or what they said, and I and I just end up giving up on it. So mainly, I just I don't know. My life is pretty dull. I just work. I try to work as much as possible. I think that's the most helpful thing that I can do is just work because when I'm working, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not in my head as much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I do, I know that there was, and I think this was really where I started picking up back with like what really truly was going on with you. I know there was a moment that you ultimately ended up calling like the national suicide hotline because you needed or wanted to get some help and they threw you into jail. Um, but that was an experience that you had gone through. And I think that's where I started picking up on the journey that you've been through within the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my lights flickering. Um, <laughs> no worries. Um, so I think I think something I think that's I think that's a very good topic because um, I think something with mental health is that um, people who struggle with mental health also struggle with legal issues and um, and self medicating um, drug addiction alcohol addiction stuff like that and uh, it's definitely gotten me in some trouble and um, I did. I did attempt suicide uh, a few times, stuff like that. Um, one of the major incidents was, um, uh, I don't know if it was a suicide attempt. It was, so when I was 19, I went through a divorce and, and it was very traumatic for me because it was my high school sweetheart, right? And it, it was like my first love. And I went into the psych ward or a mental hospital. And, um, I think they misdiagnosed me. They put me on, um, uppers because I was so depressed, oh, wow. but I think the uppers, I think I was bipolar and that I was, and, and that they put me on uppers and then I went through a manic episode and I became invincible and I thought I could do anything. And what happened was, I was in a car with friends and we were driving down a dirt road and I decided to roll down the window and sit on top of the door. And I don't remember much, but I remember thinking that I was on a boat and that I could uh, slide back and fall into the water. Okay. But I was on a dirt road. So I fell out of a car I basically jumped out of a car doing 45 miles or 40 miles an hour down a dirt road and had a severe TBI. Um, and I think that's kind of where everything changed. But um, um, I forgot what I was going to say. 
Yeah, you're so when you hit your head, I'm assuming you probably hit your head pretty hard falling on yeah. the dirt road. And is that yeah, what is that what kind of started you on the journey of I know that you have experienced homelessness also. Is that yeah kind of where the well, journey began for you a little bit or so yeah, that's kind of where it started. Um so going back into legal issues, um so and, and drug addiction and, and self-medicating and stuff like that. I have a problem. I, I've always, I've grown up with a family of alcoholics. It just runs in the family. So of course I have um, trouble with drinking and stuff like that. So I do have a DUI. And what happened was um, I was on probation and I kept violating probation and um, getting sent to sitting back to jail, doing sentences. I've probably been to Arapahoe County Jail 12 times, and I just kept falling into the cycle of uh, bailing and going back. And so um, what I did was I finally went to a judge, and I said, hey, I can't do probation no more. I, I just want to do, do my time, just serve it out. You know, I'll sober up, I'll be in jail, and I'll just do whatever. And um, so I went to jail. I was sentenced and I was sentenced to three months in jail. But while I was in jail, I learned about a program called admit, which is Arapahoe, Arapahoe, um, Arapahoe deters or directs mentally ill to treatment, something like that. Anyways, it's a program for the mentally ill. And so in order to get into that program, you have to be serving a nine month sentence. So when I went to the judge, I actually pled to a, um, a more of a charge. Instead of three months, I said, I'll, I'll do nine months. So I did the program. I got, I got into the program. And uh, out of all the thousands of people that live in, in Arapahoe County Jail, only about 20 get into the program. And I was lucky enough to get into it. Wow. And it was really, really life-changing because – what it is is you you stay in um they have uh, uh like um townhomes off of colfax and um you stay there there's there's four people in each unit like two in a room and so there was like 16 of us and we would all wake up and we all had to show up at the office at nine and do our uas meet with our um, peer advisor, stuff like that. And then we had to um, do group therapy. And then after that, we, you know, come around noon, noon or whatever, we had like free reign. We could do whatever we wanted. And they kind of did that because that kind of gives us, it gives, it gives us a leash and to see how, see how we'll, we'll act. And, um, I only did six months, but uh, it was it was a very life changing program. I think that the program has ended because of COVID, oh, so it's not it's not around anymore. But if it was, and if it is, it's definitely something that people should look into if they're suffering from mental health and they're in the legal system. Yeah, but there are there are programs within the legal system to help the mentally ill. Okay. That's, I mean, that's amazing that they offer something like that. And it's, 
it's almost a shame that they can only take 20, right? Because I know that there's a lot of inmates that do suffer from mental health challenges. I mean, yes. Well, so. you have to be you have to be serving a minor offense. Gotcha. Okay. So mine was just a probation violation. So I was it, that's a very minor offense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously they have to make sure that the people that are going through that are safe. They're safe and whomever is um, educating or the provider, I guess you could say, for the services is safe too. So, but I think that's amazing that you were able to get into that program. And is that what got you into your first place that you have now? No, actually. Um, so while I was in there, so I have family, but um, they're not that supportive. Um, they're supportive. Like my dad, my dad will help pay with, um, help me with rent, things like that. But as far as like having a place to stay, I don't, I don't really have that. Um, when I got out of the program, I, I, I lost everything when I was in, in that program. Uh, cause I was basically in jail. I had nothing. I had no job, I had no car, I had no license, mm. um, or, or even an ID. Right. And I, I had nowhere to go. So when I got out of the program, my sister let me come and stay on her couch for a little bit, but I was struggling to find work because I had no ID and I was just doing day labor and stuff like that. But it came to a point where she was like, you know, you, you got to go. And what happened was I had a, I had a mental health episode and I went and stayed. I went to detox is what I did. I didn't stay in a mental health facility. I went to detox and, um, because I was like really getting bad. Mm -hmm. And when I got out, my sister had kicked me out of her house and um, nothing happened. You know, I yeah. like, I wasn't violent or anything like that. She just had had enough of me, of my mental health and my addiction and stuff like that. So I became homeless and I had nowhere to go. So I went and stayed at a place called new Genesis, which is in um, upper downtown. Okay. And uh, that began my journey of homelessness. Wow. And that was, I mean, how long ago was that? Well, I became housed a year ago. So, okay. but I spent, but I spent three years homeless. Wow. And all of that being downtown Denver in that area. Yeah. Downtown Capitol Hill, downtown Denver. Yeah. And so, how um, so were you still doing like the day labor or what were yeah. you Yeah. Yeah. I was doing day labor to, to, to get by because when I was staying in New Genesis, the, the rent is $40 a week okay. and it's just a bunch of bunks and stuff like that. So, um, but the, the clause is that you have to be sober to be there. Mm -hmm. So I was sober and I was doing my best. Um, that's an okay place to stay. It's, it's really not, I didn't like it very much at all. Um, I preferred the Coliseum more. I stayed in the Coliseum. Okay. So what happened was, um, so I, I experienced homelessness and I, um, I stayed at new Genesis and I studied really hard about programs 
that are services that are available for the homeless. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I mean, I had nothing better to do, but the, like they kick you out at like 6 a.m. Yeah, at 6 a.m. you have to get out of the shelter. Oh, wow. So you're just walking around downtown. So I had nothing better to do but to go and find all the different places that help the homeless, mm-hmm. like Coalition of, for the Homeless and stuff like that. Um, Jesus Saves, things like that. St. Francis, you know, I would go to all these places and I would try to get resources. And it was like, but it's really hard. It's really, really hard for a homeless person, especially with mental illness, to find resources through the system. It's extremely hard. What, but what I did was I, I found, um, I found Coalition for the Homeless, and they gave me a voucher. They gave me a bus pass mm-hmm. and a voucher to get my ID. So I got my ID, and that was the game changer. That's that's what changed my everything for me was when I got my ID, because then I was able to do day labor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then what happened was, I found um, Express Employment, which is a staffing agency. And they were able to get me a full-time job. Nice. Right? Yeah. So then I started working full-time and I was staying in the shelter. Actually, what happened was I was staying, I was working full-time and I was staying at the Coliseum because mm-hmm. the bus, the bus route was, it was just right down the street from the Coliseum. And so I just worked, I worked and worked and worked and worked so much overtime. I had nothing better to do. And I got out of homelessness. I just saved and, finally end up getting out of it and getting housed. That's awesome. I I worked down at the satire off of Colfax for a period of time. And so we had a lot of um a lot of people that experienced homelessness that also were day laborers because it's literally right right across yeah, the sure, street from great. Yeah. And so I I got really curious because I mean obviously I mean living in Colorado, yes we have a lot of people who experience homelessness, but not as many as we do now. Like now there's so many, but I got really curious and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm just curious, like why, because I know that I've had conversations with multiple of the men that would come in, that they have families and um, they chose most of them that I spoke with chose to be homeless because they did have a substance abuse issue and they their family judged them so much that they just didn't even want to be around their family because they choose to drink over be with their family but they're still going and doing the day labor thing and they've got their places that I mean one man he was a veteran and he had been homeless for I want to say it was like 15 years and he chose that lifestyle because that's what he wanted to do with his life so not everybody who experiences homelessness is in a bad situation, right? Like some people actually choose it. But what I've found is that it is due to potentially like a substance use issue. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Um, Yeah. Like I, um, I got kicked out of new Genesis because uh, of drinking. I had trouble. I could, I couldn't stay away from drinking and I probably never will. You know, it's, it's a self-medication kind of thing. Um, you know, like I said, I, 
I know I, I know mental mental illness runs in my family because of the drinking. So by that I think that my my uncles they they died in their fifties. They they drink themselves to death. I I think they dealt with mental illness. I think my dad does. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't understand my mental illness. He's not very supportive at all. Like I said, he'll support me with bills and things like that. But when it comes to mental health, he doesn't he doesn't get it. He's not wow. he's not on that on that plane at all. But um, I think I think when it comes to the homeless, yeah, it really is a, an addiction issue, and people are really choosing that lifestyle. But I think, I think for, I think I would say 20%, maybe 20% thrown out a number are actually just in a bad spot in their life and trying to, and actually trying to get out of it. Like I was, you know, and trying to get back on their feet. And I think that it's very hard to navigate the systems and the resources. Um, Say when you go to St. Francis, you have to be there at a certain time to meet with the counselor and stuff like that. And even that, there's a waiting list. There's a waiting list for um, housing. Hmm. They they do a lottery for housing. You have to show up at you have to you have to walk all the way to the location, put your name on the list, and then they do a lottery, and then they'll and then they'll they'll, they'll pick you and set you up with housing you know i mean it's 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 impossible it's 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 not impossible because i got out of it but it's very very hard it's very difficult to get out of homelessness yeah well what would what would you like if if you had a magic wand or if you were able to give resources out um this question did not happen. Okay. So (laughs) I'm like, what is the question I'm trying to say? But if you, so if there was some sort of resource that you could have, whether it be now or that you could give to somebody else, what would, what would that be? Um, you know what? I don't, I don't have an answer to that. What I think needs to happen is say, Say an organization like what you have or, or a foundation like you have, right? I think if um, – and I would go with you. I think if um, – say you became um, familiar with all the different resources that are out there for the homeless and you called the head, say, down to New Genesis or something like that, and said, "Hey, we're going to come down, and we want to offer service to your 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 people and stuff like that. And get like five people together, and just go down there, and just talk to people, and just say, hey, how are you doing? What do you need? Yeah. What is what is holding you back?' So, say like New Genesis is a good start because everybody in there is sober. Now, granted, people are on drugs." And you can't really detect the drugs, but you definitely can't drink in there because the counselors or the the staff will smell alcohol on you and kick you out. But it would it would be very beneficial for an organization to just go down and talk to the homeless and say, hey, what do you need? What is holding you back? What do you need a job? 
Do you need help finding a job? Do you need help getting a voucher for a license? Do you need a bus pass? This is where you can get this. Go here tomorrow and get this. You know what I mean? But we don't have that. We don't have anything like that. We just have like counselors and there's a waiting list to get in to talk to a counselor. But if we just put together like an organization where we just went down to talk to them, I think that would be, I think that would be huge. That would be a big turning point. Yeah, no, that we definitely. So with BCC evolution, we've done homeless care packages. So we went yeah. down to Colorado Springs and handed out packages to people, but um, really like knowing that just that information, right? Like that's, that's empowering. And I do, I know that I have multiple friends that specifically have organizations for homeless homelessness. So maybe, I mean, even with that advice, maybe there's some sort of collaboration that could start to happen with those organizations and like St. Fran Francis or any of the the homeless shelters that we have in Colorado. And I mean, like you said, obviously those people that don't want help aren't going to take help, but those no. that do want help, I mean, they're probably just like you and like, what, what do I do? What, who do I talk to? What do I say? Right? Like, how do I get yeah. this in my hands? So I think that's really important. Just understanding that in general. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big deal. Uh, I think that would be very helpful just to, just simply go down and just talk to them. Just, I think care, care packages are cool and stuff like that. But, you know, like when I didn't have my ID, um, that really, that really, that was really hard because I, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't even know where the DMV was. You know what I mean? Because I was new to Denver. I think that's another thing that people forget is that um, a lot of people that are homeless in Denver aren't from Denver. They don't know where anything is. You know what I mean? So, and they, and you get information from the other homeless people and they say, Oh yeah. Uh, down on Champa and 20th or something like that, you know? And you're like, I don't know where that's at. You know, I grew up in Aurora. I don't know anything about downtown Denver. And so there's just, there's just not a lot of help for the people that really truly want to get out of it. You know, um, but I was very determined. I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stay in that position. I, I was desperate to get out of it. And I just asked lots of questions and um, I went to every resource I could find and just asked questions. What can you do to help me? You know? Yeah. And so, but. And what would you say, I mean, with your, with your mental health challenges that you still experience, what would be like for our, all the viewers, what is something that you would like them to understand about anybody that does experience mental health challenge, especially, especially schizoaffective? Um, for me, just that. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very quiet person. Um, when I'm at work, they, they kind of notice it at work that I don't really talk much. And, um, I think there, there was a, there was a guy at my work that was a kind of bullying me and stuff like that. And, um, he was always talking to me. I don't do well with conversations because I 
have so much going on up in my head that I'm, I'm just kind of like really quiet and I kind of talk myself out of everything. You know what I mean? You know, like that's not real and, and that's not happening. And he didn't say that and stuff like that. And so it's just, I think, I don't think that I have to tell you that I have a mental illness for you to respect me. I think that you just need to be respected in the first place. And I think if someone is a little odd or quiet or different, I think that you just let it go, you know, leave them alone. They're probably battling some demons and they, and they are busy with their own, with their own problems and stuff like that, you know? So don't try to like poke the bear, I guess. I don't know. No, I think that's great advice. And I, always i mean try to treat everybody the same and whether you understand what they're going through or not and if you want clarification ask and if they don't choose yeah. to give you the information then just leave it leave it alone let it go you know like not not something that you have to sit there and ask the question over and over and over and get an answer it's more of okay well you know if i want some more clarification i'll ask right yeah. And, and you know me, you know, I've always been very open about my mental health and stuff like that. And like, if someone does approach me about it, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about it because I want them to understand, you know what I mean? But the problem is, is that people don't understand. And I think no matter how hard or how much we talk about mental health, I, I, I just think that if you're not experiencing it, you, you just don't understand it. And it, it's very difficult, but I shouldn't have to, go around in my life and explain to everybody I meet that I have a mental health condition and that's why I am the way I am. You know what I mean? I think that we just need to be more supportive of people and just more understanding and let people be people. And so that we don't feel so that I don't feel that I have to explain myself all the time. You know what I mean? If I'm a little odd or eccentric, it is what it is. I don't, I shouldn't have to say, Hey, you know, I'm battling demons in my head and voices and stuff like that. You know, I shouldn't have to explain that. I, th I wish that people would be a little more accepting. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I mean, that that's a whole premise of what I'm trying to accomplish, at least with BCC evolution is having those yeah. open conversations and breaking down the stigma, right? Like it's okay to talk about our mental health. It's also okay to allow people to be people and whether you understand it or not it doesn't really like I mean you can still have that conversation with the person and get a little bit more understanding and a little bit more clarification but it shouldn't you shouldn't place judgment on anybody or like try to give them advice to like how to get out of things right it's more about just that understanding piece and having that open conversation so I love that that's a good part of the message that you're saying too. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you just gotta, I think, I think a flaw with people is that they want to offer advice or solutions and things like that. When really all we want is for the, the person just um, listen and just be comfortable with who we are and stuff like that and just be accepting. But there's a lot of like, well, have you tried this or 
you know, what, what about this? And, and you just, you just want them to just say, Hey, you know, that's cool, man. I, I know you're battling some demons and, and you just need to work through it and stuff like that. I'll leave you alone. A lot of us just want to be left alone, <laughs> right? but, but, uh, but we're not, um, because we are otter centric and, um, no matter how hard we try to hide our mental illness, it always, it always shows somehow, some way it always shows and people come on to it and they say, you know, Hey, they get that idea. Like, Hey, you know, there's something off about this guy, you know? And so they start to kind of, I think instead of just asking the question, like, Hey, hey man, are you, are you like dealing with something? They, they kind of do different approaches to it where they, they're like kind of poking at you, you know, like, like mm-hmm. they'll say things, say certain things and stuff like that instead of just approaching the issue and saying, hey, you know, are you, you know, like, are you dealing with mental illness? I, would, I think that's a huge question. Like, are you dealing with mental illness? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. You know, but instead they don't, they beat around the bush about it. Mm-hmm. They, they try to like find other ways to find out. And so, but I wish someone would just come up to me and say, Hey, are you dealing with mental illness? And I just say, yes. And they would just leave me alone and say, okay, you know, like that would be huge. Yeah, no, that is, that is huge. I love that you said that. I, um, what was coming up in my head was how cool would it be to just be able to be open, right? Like not have to hide and not have to, I mean, of course you're like, I just kind of want to be left alone, which is totally fine, but also like not having to hide anything and then having, I mean, that's a great question. Like, are you, are you dealing with a mental illness? And we talk about it on the, the suicide side of like, are you going to kill yourself? Like being very direct in that question, right. and not, right. not beating around the bush. Like, don't ask them if they're going to harm themselves. Don't ask them like those off questions, like ask them directly, are you going to kill yourself? So yeah. I think that's great. I love that you just said, are you dealing with a mental illness or challenge? However, or challenge, you know, yeah, Perfect. challenge or illness or, you know, I mean, because we all at one point in time, we all experience a mental health challenge. I mean, one in five Americans in a given year experience a mental health challenge. So you're not you're not alone in in this experience and so that's what i want to get across to everybody is that we're all the same and hey ask it directly like don't beat around the bush so i love that exactly and like you said one in five i mean and and it's so and, and there's still a stigma to it you know what i mean like we all suffer from something not maybe not suffer maybe that's not the right word but we all deal with something um what I mean, depression is like so common. Anxiety is so common. You know, we all we all deal with something, some kind of mental illness. And it's so much easier to just say, hey, you know, like. I wish people would just say, hey, hey, are you doing OK? Like, are you doing all right? I wish people would say that more often instead of like um, provoking more of of what you're feeling and stuff like that, you know, just be like, hey, you know, it's not, it's not like, it's not like when people say like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just like the common response. I wish people would, would, 
delve more into it and be like, hey, you know, are you okay? Are are you all right? And I wish people would do that a little bit more often. And it would open up the conversation to, you know, hey, no, actually, I wish we could say like, no, hey, actually, I'm not doing okay. I wish, you know, I'm dealing with this and that. I wish we would say that more. I wish that was more available instead of just like, how are you? Oh, good. You know, <laughs> just a common response. I wish, I, could, I, I, wish, I wish it was more acceptable to say, hey, I'm not doing good. I'm really struggling right now. I love, you know? I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately is, I mean, because I do, I try to be very aware of my emotions that's happening. And I, I, my automatic response is I'm good. Right. And then I think about it and I'm like, yeah. am I really good? Like, is that really what's happening right now? And so I, at least for me, I've been actually saying, you know, I'm not that great. This is kind of what I'm dealing with right now, but I also, you know, or a couple moments ago, no, I wasn't good, but now I am, you know, like, so I, yeah. I like, I like that you brought that up because it should be socially acceptable to actually yes. tell your feelings and what's going on versus our automatic response being like, good, great. How are you? Right. Like it's yeah. so, so surface level, like how, how can we get into the like deep? And that's why hopefully these conversations that we're having is going to help people start to shift their mindset and really like ask those questions and be okay with a response. Like it doesn't mean that I have to give you advice or that I have to judge you or that I have to know the answer of what you're needing at that moment. It's just more no. of an understanding that, wow, you're not, you're not doing okay. And I'm not going to tell you that I'm sorry that you're not doing okay. It's more of a oh, wow. Hey, that sounds really hard. Can I support you in any way? Or are you just telling me so that you can get it off your chest? Right? Like those are better responses at that point. Yeah. I mean, or even just to know to leave the person alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> leave them alone. They, they're not in the mood to talk right now. You know what I mean? So I think, um, I think you, you, you've seen, on facebook that i'm very vocal about mental illness um homelessness too um some of that but very vocal about what i what i deal with um i talk about when i'm having episodes mm -hmm. and they kind of come ebb and flow you know like i'll be because with with schizoaffective disorder you have schizophrenia and um a mood disorder say like bipolar right so I have depression and uh, I have times where I'm depressed and times where I'm manic. Mm -hmm. And so like an ebb and flow, like it, it's up and down. And so every now and then I'll just, I'll go into a, either a depression episode where I'm really sad and, and struggling, which is where I'm at right now, mm -hmm. but I'm coming out of it. I can feel myself coming out of it right now. Or I'll be in a manic episode where I'm like, like doing making bad decisions and just like really screwing up and stuff like that and so but i'm very vocal about it on facebook and i try to talk about it and stuff like that and let people know um i noticed that like i'll get like care reacts or something like that or like heart reacts or something like that but nobody actually like talks to me about it you know what i mean Nobody comments. Nobody, nobody says, what's that like? 
how you know how does that feel things like that nobody nobody really talks about that and i I wish we could get more into that you know when someone on facebook says something and people could actually say you know hey you know offer some kind of support something like that and that really never happens when i see someone post something like that i i try my my best to comment and say you know and ask a maybe an, an open question you know not not so much direct but more open like well how does that feel or um i try to stay away with are you all right because the answer is going to be generic and it's going to be yes i'm fine stuff like that but i try to ask open-ended questions a little more no i wish we can get into that a bit more yeah no definitely and so if i and hopefully you're open to this, but if any of the viewers do want to follow along on your journey, are you just mainly on Facebook or is there anywhere else that they might be able to find you? Just on Facebook. Okay. And it's just under Stephen Thompson, right? Stephen Thompson. Yeah. There's, but there, but that's such a popular name. So it's like going (laughs) to take them a while to find me. Well, um, if they watch, if they're on BCC Evolution and they know me, then Stephen and I are connected. So (laughs) yeah, we're mutual friends. Yeah, Yeah. people can add me and stuff like that. That's fine. I don't mind. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say something, but I forgot. It's okay. It might come back to me. Yeah, maybe it'll come back. No, definitely. I mean, I I have noticed i mean over the years i've been following your journey and i didn't realize so much of what was going on and i know that a lot of that was because i was in my own with losing my sister and trying to get my nonprofit going right and so um i think that it's really really cool that we've reconnected and been able to bring you on here to just give a little bit more understanding to all the people that watch this and if you want to follow along with Steven, um, you can either find BCC Evolution, the page, find me, I'm under Kelly Melissa Hansen, or find Steven Thompson. And if there's a connection, great. And um, some of the things that I just want to bring up that you pointed out is ask somebody like, instead of just, hey, how are you doing today? Good. Maybe ask a little bit more open-ended question and be willing to tell like how you're really actually feeling versus keeping that surface level. And then um, if they want to be left alone, (laughs) let them be right. And also just ask that question, like, are you struggling or experiencing a mental health challenge or illness? Ask direct, ask that question direct. And is there anything else that you would like to tell the viewers? Nah, no. I think I think I've pretty much said it all. I mean, I I have a lot to talk about. We can make this a really long interview, but uh, or conversation. But uh, no, I think I've pretty much got everything off my chest. Well, I would love. I mean, even if you want to, we do a who is page on on BCC Evolution. So I would love to tell your story if it's something that you want to write it write it down and send me. Um, your story, we'll post it up on our website. And then even that way, viewers can follow along with you there. And then maybe we can have you back at a later time and just check in and see how things are going, if that's something that you'd like to do. Yeah. Hey, you know what? There is something I was going to tell you. Yes. So after my TBI, my traumatic brain injury, I I remember 
every traumatic experience in my life. And I think that really like I struggle with that because I can remember like everything, but I remember all the way back to my first birthday. Wow. It was on Easter. It was at my grandparents' house. I remember that. I remember my first bloody nose. I remember everything ever since I had my accident. And it's like, it re I really struggle with that. And I think that people, I think that people tend to hold on to those bad memories a lot more than the good memories. I think it's easier to remember the bad than it is to remember the good. And I think that that really been there that really impacts how a lot of people think and and what they go through and what they experience with mental illness. But um, no, I, I I was oblivious to all that stuff until I had my TBI. And now I'm like, oh, my God. And I can tell you in detail everything. Wow. That's interesting yeah. because yeah. sometimes when people hit their head, though, they lose the memory. So but it's interesting yeah. that yours triggered to like the the traumatic experiences. I have I have bad short term memory. But my long-term memory is very, very good. I can remember everything from my childhood. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's really strange. Yeah. I talked to my therapist about it and stuff like that. She thinks it's pretty weird. But Well, it's something that, you know, you experience and it's probably shaped a lot of things in your life that you have gone through up to this point. But I'm just really glad that, I mean, you're in a place where you're good, you've got your job, you have your house, you know, like you, yeah. it sounds like you're on, on the up and up. So I just really appreciate that you were willing and able to come here and share your experience and we'll definitely have you back at a later time. So. Yeah, I got a lot more to talk about. I just was <laughs> trying to keep it. I was trying to keep it pretty PC. No, Hey, this is this is the place for open conversations, but we'll definitely I know people have a short like you were talking about earlier. We have a short amount of span brain span that we can even yeah. pay attention and have those squirrel mo moments. But um, I do those often. So um, but we're almost at an hour. So we're going to give folks a little bit of break and we'll definitely okay. we'll have you back on another episode and we'll just dive into more understanding and um, definitely have you come back for sure. So. Okay. Sounds good. Sorry to take up so much of your time. No, I loved it. I, I really appreciate you coming on because even myself, I, yes, I live in this mental health world on a daily basis, but there's still a lot that I don't fully understand. And so any understanding and clarification that I'm able to, to get, is so great for me just that way I can help and serve people at an even higher level, just knowing what you're going through. Right. Because yeah. my experience is my experience. Your experience is your experience. And it's really talking about what different people go through is really going to give the understanding to everybody versus just those couple of people. So, yeah. All well, right. Thank you so much, Steve. And I am so grateful. Thank you for joining us on episode number four of Mental Health Mondays. I will definitely have Stephen back and we can 
chat with him some more. If this was helpful, please subscribe. Make sure that you set up your notifications. Um, we're doing this every single Monday for Mental Health Mondays. Again, we have um, people, well, guests, I guess we're all people, we're all human, but our guests are really ones that are in the mental health space. They all either experience or live with a mental health challenge or they're a mental health advocate. Um, most everybody that comes on are mental health advocates. So I appreciate you watching and I hope you all have an amazing day.